0: Chapter 9 of Triplanetary This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. Triplanetary by E. E. Smith. Chapter 9 Specimens Only too well founded was Costigan's conviction that the submarine of the deep-sea fishes had not been able to prevail against Narado's formidable engines of destruction. For days the Nevian lifeboat with its three terrestrial passengers hurtled through the interstellar void without incident. But finally the operative's fears were realized. His far-flung detector screens reacted. Upon his observation plate lay revealed Nerado's mammoth spaceship, in full pursuit of its fleeing lifeboat. On your toes, folks. It won't be long now, Costigan called. And Bradley and Cleo hurried into the tiny control room. Armor donned and tested, the three terrestrials stared into the observation plates, watching the rapidly enlarging pictures of the Nevian spaceship. Nerado had traced them and was following them. And such was the power of the great vessel that the nearly inconceivable velocity of the lifeboat was the veriest crawl in comparison to that of the pursuing cruiser. "'And we've hardly started to cover the distance back to tell us. "'Of course you can't get in touch with anybody yet,' Bradley stated, rather than asked. "'I kept on trying until they blanketed my wave, but all negative. Thousands of times too far for my transmitter. "'Our only hope of reaching anybody was the mighty slim chance that our super-ship "'might be prowling around out here already. "'But it isn't, of course. "'Here they are.' Reaching out to the control panel, Costigan shot out against the great vessel wave after wave of lethal vibrations, under whose fiercely clinging impacts the Nevian defensive screens flared white. But strangely enough, their own screens did not radiate, as if contemptuous of any weapons the lifeboat might wield. The mothership simply defended herself from the attacking beams. In much the same fashion as a wildcat mother wards off the claws and teeth of her spitting, snarling kitten who is resenting a touch of needed maternal discipline. They probably won't fight us at that. Clio first understood the situation. This is their own lifeboat, and they want us alive, you know. There's one more thing we can try. Hang on. Costigan snapped, as he released his screens and threw all his power into one enormous presser beam. The three were thrown to the floor, and held there by an awful weight, as if the lifeboat darted away at the stupendous acceleration of the beam's reaction, against the unimaginable mass of the Nevian sky-rover. But the flight was of short duration. Along that presser beam there crept a dull rod of energy, which surrounded the fugitive shell and brought it slowly to a halt. Furiously then, Coskin set and reset his controls, launching his every driving force and his every weapon, but no beam could penetrate that red murk, and the lifeboat remained motionless in space. No, not motionless. The red rod was shortening, drawing the truant craft back toward the launching port from which she had so hopefully emerged a few days before. Back and back it was drawn, Costigan's utmost efforts futile to affect by a hair's breadth its line of motion. Through the open port the boat slipped neatly, and as it came to a halt in its original position within the multi-layered skin of the monster, the prisoners heard the heavy doors clang shut behind them, one after another. And then sheets of blue fire snapped and crackled all about the three suits of triplanetary armour— The two large human figures and the small one were outlined starkly in blinding blue flame. "'That's the first thing that has come off according to schedule.' Koskin laughed a short, fierce bark. "'That is their paralyzing ray. We've got it stopped cold, and we've each got enough iron to hold it forever.' "'But it looks as though the best we can do is to stalemate,' Bradley argued. "'Even if they can't paralyze us, we can't hurt them.' and we are heading back for Nevia. "'I think Nerada will come in for a conference, and we'll be able to make terms of some kind. He must know what these Lewistons will do, and he knows that we'll get a chance to use them, some way or other, before he gets to us again,' Koskin asserted confidently. But again he was wrong. The door opened, and through it there waddled, rolled, or crawled a metal-clad monstrosity— a thing with wheels, legs, and writhing tentacles of jointed bronze, a thing possessed of defensive screens sufficiently powerful to absorb the full blast of the triplanetary projectors, without effort. Three brazen tentacles reached out through the ravening beams of the Lewistons, smashed them to bits, and wrapped themselves in unbreakable shackles about the armoured forms of the three human beings. Through the door the machine, or creature, carried its helpless load, and out into and along a main corridor. And soon the three terrestrials, without armour, without arms, and almost without clothing, were standing in the control-room, again facing the calm and unmoved Nerado. To the surprise of the impetuous Costigan, the Nevian commander was entirely without rancour. "'The desire for freedom is perhaps common to all forms of animate life,' he commented through the transformer. As I told you before, however, you are specimens to be studied by the College of Science, and you shall be so studied in spite of anything you may do. Resign yourselves to that. Well, say that we don't try to make any more trouble, that we cooperate in the examination and give you whatever information we can," Costigan suggested. Then you will probably be willing to give us a ship and let us go back to our own world." "'You will not be allowed to cause any more trouble,' the amphibian declared, coldly. "'Your cooperation will not be required. We will take from you whatever knowledge and information we wish. In all probability you will never be allowed to return to your own system, because as specimens you are too unique to lose.' but enough of this idle chatter take them back to their quarters and back to their intercommunicating rooms the prisoners were led under heavy guard true to his word nerado made certain that they had no more opportunities to escape all the way back to far-distant nevia the spaceship sped where at once in manacles the terrestrials were taken to the college of science there to undergo the physical and psychical examinations which Nerado had promised them. Cleo and Costigan learned that the Nevian scientist-captain had not erred in stating that their cooperation was neither needed nor desired. Furious but impotent, the human beings were studied in laboratory after laboratory by the coldly analytical, unfeeling scientists of Nevia, to whom they were nothing more nor less than specimens, and in full measure they came to know what it meant to play the part of an unknown, lowly organism in a biological research. They were photographed, externally and internally. Every bone, muscle, organ, vessel and nerve was studied and charted. Every reflex and reaction was noted and discussed. Meters registered every impulse, and recorders filmed every thought, every idea, and every sensation. Endlessly, day after day, the nerve racking torture went on, until the frantic subjects could bear no more. White-faced and shaking, Cleo finally screamed wildly, hysterically, as she was being strapped down upon a laboratory bench, and at the sound Costigan's nerves, already at the breaking point, gave way in an outburst of berserk fury. The man's struggles and the girl's shrieks were all like futile, But the surprised Nevians, after a consultation, decided to give the specimens a vacation. To that end they were installed, together with their earthly belongings, in a three-room structure of transparent metal, floating in the large central lagoon of the city. There they were left undisturbed for a time—undisturbed, that is, except by the continuous gaze of the crowd of hundreds of amphibians which constantly surrounded the floating cottage first we're bugs under a microscope bradley growled then we're goldfish in a bowl i don't know that he broke off as two of their jailers entered the room without a word into the transformers they seized bradley and the girl as those tentacular arms stretched out toward clio costigan leaped a vain attempt in midair the paralyzing ray of the nevians touched him and he crashed heavily to the crystal floor and from that floor he looked on in helpless raging fury while his sweetheart and his captain were carried out of their prison and into a waiting submarine chapter